Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Ray from Artist Strength and Fitness in Omaha, Nebraska. What's up, Ray? How are you today? Doing well, thanks. Living and learning every day. Yes, absolutely. Love that. All right. So let's jump right into the details here, wasting no time. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? Uh, That's a great question. Um, Actually, I have another business as well. It's called Big Red Rugby, and it's the very first youth rugby program in the state of Nebraska. And we've been operating that business now for going on six years. Wow. Yep. Uh, It's fantastic. It's for age groups five to 14. It's a theater program for the high schools, the college programs, as well as the club programs. And um, what we learned really quickly was that we needed, in order to be competitive in the the sport, we needed a place Mm -hmm. where we could actually train our athletes um, to get stronger, fitter, um, speak a little bit to the nutritional side, and then also improve the skill set over time. And so we created an academy, um, which we linked to Artist Strength and Fitness with the previous owners that we started to build a youth program in that overall gym facility. And then about six months ago, the the owners came to me and wanted to to see if I would be open to purchasing the gym. And I said, you know what, Let's, let's do this. It fits into the ethos of what we're trying to do. We believe in the community mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of synergy there. So that's what we did about six months ago. Awesome. Okay. All right. So it started with the uh, training for rugby athletes and then just kind of grew into what it is today. So now what does your business model look like today? Are you doing group classes, one-on-one semi-privates? Are we doing athletic training and general population or we're doing more so athletics how does that all kind of work for you now oh that's a great question well we actually have sort of like five pillars of the business okay where we speak to the kids in the youth program and we've got some some programs for the kids all the way up to about 12 years old and then we transition over to the youth that starts to learn a little bit more about the how to use the weights and then we move into the cross training and we have a barbell program tied to that. And that barbell okay. program is more weightlifting, some powerlifting and some Olympic lifting programs. Okay. All right. So is it, is it mostly youth or? No, it's a combination. We kind of see ourselves more as like a one-stop athletic facility. Okay. And that includes families what we learned through this process was there's a lot of families that kids run all over the town and so do the parents. And yes. so we created one place for the kids to work out and the parents to work out in one facility. Okay. Got it. So one place for everybody to go and get their workout in that makes it simplified for the families for sure. All right. So now how many members do you currently have at the facility? Well, we have close to about 200. That includes the rugby community as well. Okay. Wow. All right. So 200. Uh, And 
on the side of growing the business, so typically pretty much everybody that I speak to is interested in growing the business. How are you getting the word out there about the facility, what it is that you do? What does marketing look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do believe in using Facebook, some social media platforms, mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram is one of them. We actually do some sales calls direct with businesses because we actually have a corporate package that we sell to those respective businesses locally. We also do camps that tie to the athletic side of things and we're, we do competitions. So we, we house the competitions and then bring that in and then hopefully that generates some additional memberships. Got it. Okay. So a couple of different uh, streams to bring people in the doors. So you mentioned uh, Facebook and Instagram. Are you running paid ads on those platforms? Or are you doing more organic posting to generate business? More of an organic posting. We have a, a program, which we have a message that we try and send out on a weekly basis that taps into the different pillars of business that we have and try and speak, create a story and then um, create some call to actions relative to those respective stories. Got it, okay. All right, and how many new faces are you seeing on a monthly basis on average with the advertising that you're doing right now? Um, every time we tend to do a call to action, we we seem to get about you know two or three folks coming in the door interested in the programming mm -hmm. on a monthly basis i think our followers on the social media platform sort of ratchets up about 20 per month okay 20 per month so that's pretty good now with that how many of those are converting sticking around into some type of a membership not enough in, as far as I'm concerned, but um, working on that program, trying to convince people to, to come in and explore and enjoy the, the community. Um, I would say probably about 10% is probably a good uh, number right now from the social media platform. Okay. All righty. So what, first of all, what is the offer that you're putting out there? How are you getting people's attention and making them want to come in the doors? Is it like a free trial or a class or a consultation or what does that offer itself look like? Yeah, well, we have different messages that we try and share out there. Uh, one of them, we've got a first responder package. So try and speak to those first responders that are out there on the, on the front lines. We also have an educational program that we start to message out around this time when, when we have spring breaks and then on the summer breaks, getting the teachers in the door so that they can um, get their health program up and running. And then we do sort of a week-long free program where people can come in for a week and test out the facility. Okay. All right. So uh, different uh, ways of getting people in the doors. Now, when they do come in the doors, what does your sales process look like? Are you sitting down with those people initially having a consultation? If they are on that full week trial are you trying to convert them on day one are you meeting them halfway how does that all work yeah so we we like to think about the nutrition the health and skills of our life in sort of a spectrum and mm -hmm. so when when members come in the door individuals come in the door we try and understand what are their sort of goals and where do they fit relative to that spectrum of health 
And once we sort of understand that on a one-to-one -one consultation, then we kind of map out a little program for them, whether it's in the cross training, whether it's in the barbell program, or a mixture of, and we mm -hmm. put them to the best need that they have. Okay, all right. So are there other services that you're offering to your clients as well as training? So nutrition, accountability, any type of supplementation, any type of retail to provide a higher level of service for your clients, but then also another stream of revenue for the business itself? Yeah, we, so we want to focus a little bit harder on the nutritional program. So in okay. the month of May, for example, we are bringing in a nutritional coach to speak to our audience and also reach out to you know the local community and see if what interest they have in understanding nutrition uh, one thing we found relative to families is that parents they kind of buy all the foods and mm -hmm. so if we want to get our kids to also understand that nutritional plan we need to first tap into um, the parents and get right. them to understand that absolutely yeah and then we also have uh, in the past we try and sell some apparel Mm -hmm. to our branding and in the past it's been one of those situations where you have like a two-week time frame to get all the orders in and then you go ahead and pl place the order we're now working with a group that can give us an online store 365 days of the year and mm -hmm. to worry about too much you know managing that process or it's become a little bit more organic for our members yes absolutely that's awesome yeah there are a lot of uh different ways that you can simplify that process now, which is nice with the online storefronts and the drop shipping and things like that. Because a lot of times when you're holding on to retail, the margins really aren't great on it. You know, it's more so just uh, to have people walking around with an, an advertisement, essentially. Um, but yeah, that's, that's good that you're able to set up something that is uh, that makes more sense the ease of use there and and just makes more sense from a business standpoint so that's good uh now one thing that i always love to ask about are either bottlenecks or key challenges within the business are there any bottlenecks or challenges that you're facing right now within the business i think i think the challenge that we're facing right now is to to understand how quickly we can bring members into, into the facility mm -hmm. and making sure we've got the right platforms that um, we're using. Right. And that we're speaking to the right message and tapping into the right audience to get people into the door. Mm -hmm. You know, we've set ourselves some quarterly goals and we're trying to achieve those. Obviously, um, maybe that's just some impatience on my part, but we're really trying to, to grow as, as organically, but as quickly as we possibly can. And trying to find out what those solutions are is what we're trying to navigate through right now. Right. Okay. And how do you go about targeting? What is your ideal avatar? Because you are serving families, essentially, is that kind of what you're targeting within your marketing? Or are you more so targeting parents or kids? Or what is it that you are targeting mostly to get people in the door? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So um, we have to be very, very clear on what our avatars are. Mm -hmm. and seeing as though we founded the, the gym as a mechanism to help us grow sort of the, the youth rugby program, 
we found ourselves in a little bit of a dichotomy where you want to serve the current membership base, which is historically sort of a CrossFit type of clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're trying to do is, is bring the two sort of businesses in line with each other. And okay. right now we're working with a, a branding company that's going to help us navigate that a little bit better, get us mm-hmm. a little better on our messaging so I'm really excited within the next couple of months to see how that branding package comes out and aligns us with our overall purpose. Mm-hmm. Our biggest purpose is, is to continue to have a twofold, you know, that one-stop facility for families. But we also want to make sure that because this, the sport of rugby is, is such a, in such a growth pattern, that we want to capitalize on that and make it sort of the home for rugby here in the state of Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. And the the nice thing about having the facility itself now is that the two kind of feed each other in some ways. And then also the kind of general population side of training that like CrossFit, cross training style of training is a nice foundation for the business, for you to be able to rely on, on a monthly basis, and then also be able to grow the rugby side of things. Because a lot of times, especially with sports, and this is across any sport, a lot of those things are seasonal and, you know, they're not super reliable on a monthly basis. So if you have the other side of the business that is consistent and stable, that's nice. It takes some of the pressure off and allows you to focus on the thing that you like to do, which is the rugby side of things. Um, so it's definitely good that you've got both things going there. So now what specific goals are you focused on right now within the business? Where are you directing most of your attention right now? The current goal is to get the branding package put in place, mm-hmm. the message clear. Uh, and then once that is clear, then we put that into operation and execute on that branding package. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's our current major objective right now. Okay. Go ahead. We also have some, you know, when we purchased the gym, we did sort of a freshen up of the, of the facility. Mm-hmm. And we have another phase coming in, which is a little bit more of a renovation that ties into adding some, um, some showers and some a sauna and, and making the place a little bit more palatable for especially those type of corporate packages where people right. like to come in, they want to sort of clean up, freshen up and go back to work. And uh, we don't currently have that. Uh, and so we're going to put that into place here in the next six months. Okay. All right. That's, that's great too. Yeah. To be able to offer that um, higher level of service, you know, especially if you are looking to get into those corporate training packages, because that's definitely an important piece there, whether people are coming before work or maybe on their lunch break or something, being able to kind of freshen up and go back to work. That's definitely a a useful tool there for those types of people. So that's fantastic. Um, Now, I want to kind of circle back to memberships and how you structure the memberships within the gym are you offering um packages training packages or are you doing memberships whether that be six months 12 months how do you structure the membership itself 
Yeah, so we have a we have a few base packages. We have a cross training package, which is what we call an unlimited package. We mm -hmm. can be at the gym anytime, all the time, relevant to the class programs that we have. We have a barbell program that is specific to sort of three days a week, and the program that we write up is specific to that. We have a kids program. We have a youth program. And then outside of those foundational programs, we have some additional ones. We have a once a week, we have a, we have a twice a week. Like I mentioned earlier, we have a first responder uh, package. Mm -hmm. We have some packages for our teachers. And so we have a, a myriad of, of different packages that are out there. I think we have quite a lot. And I don't know if that's maybe too much sometimes because we do have quite a bit. Okay. All right. Yeah. So lots of different options there for sure. Now, how actually, how, how are you getting people to stick around and commit to those memberships? Are there agreements in place or are they month to month? Uh, how does, how does that piece work and how is your retention rate? Great question there. So we actually have um, the, the annual memberships that you can either pay up front or you can pay over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then we have an order a new policy that we run through. And then, and that seems to work relatively well. I, in looking at the statistics the other day, our, our average retention is two years. Okay. So I think we've got a pretty healthy retention program. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of making sure that we continue to, you know, foster the best coaching. Mm -hmm continue to educate on the spectrum of health and continue to provide um, a great community. You know, one of the pieces to our facility is that we are pretty heavily involved in the community. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why sort of the, rug the spirit of the game of rugby and the facility that has been in operation for a while kind of married itself together with, with regards to Again, being a spectrum of your responsibility in the community. What can you provide to your community and how do you go about doing that? And I think that actually um, leads to a lot of folks wanting to be a part of this community for a long time because you don't just come in, do a workout and leave. People stick around, they get to meet each other, get to know each other. And there's a little family that, you know, vibe that gets generated. And I think that's really, really important to the retention. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean people are sticking around for two years, that's good on average, you know, in the industry, typically three to six months is the average lifetime of a client. So, I mean, you're doing, doing something right. That's for sure. And I'm sure that that does really play into it. You know, people want to feel like a part of something, a family, that community really helps to keep people around for long periods of time. So good. That's good to hear. Um, now, one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering going their own way, doing their own thing, opening their own facility, what would that be? What's one of the biggest things that you've learned uh, over the time owning your own gym? Ooh, um, I would say if it's, if it's a burning desire in your heart and it's a true passion, uh, don't procrastinate, do it. Um, take the time to map it out though and really write a solid business plan and then have people look at that business plan and have them critique you, have them kind of 
give you good feedback so that that plan gets refined a little bit better so that when you go into it you you not only are clear on what you want to achieve but you're able to execute on that plan and i think um, folks tend to fall to the wayside if they don't stay focused on what that plan is and i think you need to have a long-term passion but you need to have milestones within that plan that's achievable and you need to celebrate those achievements yes yeah absolutely i mean starting with the plan itself a lot of people don't really have a plan you know they just kind of wing it they go in and kind of cross their fingers and hope for the best so definitely having a, a plan in place is a good one and then i also really like the um don't procrastinate piece of that because I feel like a lot of times people kind of have something that they want to do, but they're held back by X, Y, or Z, whether that be a, um, an outside circumstance or even something internal as far as just their thoughts around it and thinking what's possible. And I don't know if I can do that. And, you know, there are so many things that hold people back. So, you know, just touching on that, don't procrastinate. If it's something that you're really passionate about, go after it and, and get it, do it. Yeah, I also think though, it's okay to fail in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think the resolve there, or the grit factor comes in where you need to learn to adapt. Right. Uh, and that, that adaption needs to be practical. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be applying the sky adaption. It needs to really be able to adapt and then move forward. So when you set your plan, it's not quite going the way you think it should be, and you learn something about the business, you know, think about why that's changing and see if you can adapt to make it, uh, make some improvements. Yes, absolutely. And the industry as a whole is constantly changing, you know, so you've always got to adapt and be willing to adapt so that you don't fall, you know. Uh, So that's definitely a good piece of advice there as well. All right. So now as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? You can go to the Art of Strength and Fitness Instagram page and you go to our Facebook page as well. Those will be the two great places to, to reach out to us. And then we obviously have our website, which is the Art of Strength and Fitness website as well. Perfect. All right. So pretty straightforward there. Easy to find you. Awesome. All righty. So Ray from Artist Strength and Fitness in Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast. We talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, one of the owners of Iron Regime in Pitt Meadows, 
British Columbia, Canada. Jeff Hayner, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good, Dominic. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here, sir. I'm excited to have you on. Um, let's dive into it. Tell us what Iron Regime is all about. Iron Regime is a group fitness-based gym um, that we started seven years ago, um, but it's more than, than just a group fitness. Uh, we got a real great community, um, something that we've kind of built up over the years. And it's become something that, um, you know, people come to not just for the fitness classes, they come because there's a, a bigger sense than just getting, you know, personal best or lifting their heaviest weight or running their fastest mile or anything like that. People come because they, they really enjoy the atmosphere. They, they get, um, you know, recommended from a friend to come down and, and check the gym out. And, and if they've never tried stuff um, at this level of intensity before, um, they find that it's a, a great sense of community in there where everyone's kind of invested in everybody's, you know, personal growth. And then outside of that, you know, it's just a, uh, like I said, more than just a gym, do a lot of community things together, um, rock climbing, bowling, we get together for barbecues, uh, board games, watch, you know, UFC, we watch NHL, we, we get together and we do things that are uh, above and beyond your 60 minutes of kind of group fitness. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's like we we talked about off the air a little bit. I think um, you're really, really uh, walking the walk as far as it comes to building community and and keeping that as tight knit as you can and giving people more than than just some exercise. So want to dive into everything that you're doing there a little bit more deeply. But before we get there, um, let's talk about how we got to this point. So um, you're you're basically a family run operation. Um, which took a couple of twists and turns as a path, but here we all are there outside of Vancouver. So give us a backstory there. Sure. So, you know, we got three people that are, you know, basically running the gym. It's my wife, uh, Christy, and my brother-in-law, Nick, started with uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Nick, and I doing it first, and then, you know, with my wife jumping in as well. Um, so it started as, uh, yeah, basically a family-run business, and uh, where we got to that point was a um, long time ago playing junior hockey in, in British Columbia. I met Nick um, as we were trying out for the same team and we kind of formed a little bit of a bond and the biggest part of the bond between us was, was fitness. So, you know, outside of playing the hockey portion of it, um, we spent quite a bit of time in the gym together and then we ended up on different teams, but had always kept in contact with each other and you know, not only was it, you know, obviously about the hockey, but we'd always bounced ideas off each other in terms of fitness or training regimens. And then in between seasons, you know, I would return home um, to Las Vegas where I'm from. And um, I would come back up before the season would start and we would, you know, train together. And uh, at that point in time, it was, you know, staying at his, at his house uh, prior to the season starting. Um, and, uh, his sister, Christy, uh, and I started dating not too long after and um, kind of just became you know, like a tight unit between all of us. And then I ended up getting married to his sister. And uh, yeah, so we played the junior hockey together. He and I both got uh, division one scholarships, played college hockey in the U.S. against each other. And then when our college was done, uh, you know, we ended up starting our normal professional careers, but always kept in touch, especially with regard to fitness. And then we, I found CrossFit um, while I was living in Boston 
and had slowly kind of started to fall in love with it and, and told Nick about it. Nick was more into to bodybuilding at the time and like, Hey man, this is something that's kind of like still competitive. It gives us that feeling like we're doing uh, a competitive environment like hockey. I like, think you should try it, man. You're strong. You'd be good at it. Um, and there we were, we both kind of just started to fall really deeply in love with that. And, and we kind of built like a, an Instagram page where we were just doing workouts back and forth, heads up against each other. And, and we were like, man, maybe this is something we could, we could do for a business. You know, like we started to see CrossFit was starting to take off and it was, I'd already promised my wife that we would eventually move back to, to Canada after spending enough time in the U S and just kind of came up with an opportunity and the opportunity actually was an existing business was called pit meadows crossfit and it was 30 to 40 members and they were kind of like firefighters and just kind of part-time it wasn't really a business it was more of just a you could see it was like a hangout mm -hmm. and and nick had dropped in there and and was like hey man i think this guy's looking to sell and we we're like hey this is a great opportunity we like the area of pit meadows where the actual unit was was in a great um kind of uh forest area so it had like a real great backdrop to it and it was just uh, not a super high traffic area we ended up making an offer on it uh bought that gym and then we we grew that um from it was like a 2500 square foot facility to a 3500 square foot facility to a now 7000 square foot facility so it's just been these slow incremental jumps from from one level to the next and and that's where we are now yeah, super cool story, man. And um, along the way there for you, um, at some point you had a, a corporate job, uh, desk job, so to speak, and through the growth pro progress of the business, you were able to leave that and turn this also into a full-time career, correct? That is correct, yes. So that's, that's always one of those really like, it, you know, you wake up the next morning after, you know, when you're supposed to uh, you know, have an alarm go off that you go to your regular nine to five job and you're like pinching yourself. Is this real? Yeah. How cool is this? Right. That's, that had to be like probably a big turning point moment for you. For sure. I mean, it, it went from stability and I'm on track to do what I think, you know, a, a large portion of the population does is work, build your family, invest your money, save your money, you know, up to a point in time where, you know, you get to an age where you have enough and you can retire. And that was kind of um, the path I think that my mindset was gravitating towards. And um, yeah, when it was like, okay, the, those paychecks are no longer coming in and this is like fully real. Um, the first month is always like the excitement's there. Right. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, hey, rent's due and utilities and all these other things of overhead that you got to take care of. And it's like, wow, we got to get this business growing because again, it was, you know, 30 to 40 people when we first started that were all over the map and, and the business that we had absorbed was not run well. Then there was like 10 different membership prices and it was just like, wow, man, we, you know, that we got to get this thing into a real business where it's streamlined and we can not only cover the bills, but we can be profitable and make money. Yeah. And stair step, right? It happens a little bit at a time. You, you pick and choose what you can do. And, and then hopefully what happened for you is what, is what we, um, we wish for for most gym owners is at a certain point, you're like, 
hey, my job is starting to get in the way of my business. Yep. And, and it's costing me money the other way. Absolutely. And then at a certain point, it's like, well, we're close enough or, you know, and, and I think a lot of gym owners and, and if this is, if this is too personal, you don't have to answer, but it's one of these things where I feel like a lot of gym owners get to a point where I'm just going to make up a number. I don't know anything about your finances. If anybody's listening, if you're a tax professional, <laughs> he has told me nothing. I just round numbers. Someone could be making a hundred grand at a corporate job mm -hmm. and people say like, oh man, how am I going to replace a hundred grand working at a gym? And then they start doing it and they realize that, you know, 70 grand working for yourself might be worth a hundred grand working for someone else. The time freedom, the, the flexibility, the ability to kind of draw your own future. It doesn't mean that you don't eventually want to make the same or more, but that jump off point for most people doesn't end up being, can I make exactly as much or can I make more? Um, was that something that you experienced? Absolutely. I mean, so when I left, I became the only coach at the gym for the first 18 months. It would kind of sprinkle in a little bit. Nick was still working and I was bouncing around um, at my in-laws house and staying with Nick. So I had the good fortune that I didn't have to pay for personal rent. Um, but yeah, like I went all in with it and it was, it was that same feeling. It was like, didn't matter. And I was making good corporate money and for me, I would have taken a 50% pay cut. Um, and in that case, I took a hundred percent pay cut pay cut because I wasn't even drawing anything for the first year. So I was just relying basically on savings and, and other investments that could get us through to that point. And it was just, it was, it was a hundred percent about um, happiness. They're just showing up doing the, you know, I was like a three computer screen guy doing financial work and it was like no human interaction. I'm surrounded by people, although they were nice, I had nothing in common with these people having anything to do with a, a healthy fit lifestyle. And that had always been uh, a big part of my childhood. And up to that point, it was just like a no brainer for me. And, and I was, um, let's see, I would have had my son who was about a year and a half at the time. So it was a bit of a stressful time because I'm going, oh man, I, I gotta take care of my family. Uh, but I don't think if I would have, if I would have held on to the job, I don't think we would have had the growth that we would have if I didn't try to go all in with it. So for, for me, it was, you know, the happiness factor wasn't there. didn't matter. You could have paid me another hundred thousand on top of what I was making. And I still would have left um, just because it just, it, it didn't appeal to me anymore. It wasn't, wasn't what I had a, a passion for, but yeah, at the same point is you can be passionate about something, but you need to make money and so I just, you know, went all in with it. And in the beginning, weren't making anything because you're trying to pay for bills and grow it. And um, eventually got to a point after those 18 months where uh, Nick was able to quit his job and come in full time. And then same with Christy. Christy was working um, at a daycare and um, same thing, like get to a point where you make enough money and get everyone to, to kind of come on board. And then that, that's what helped, helped grow it when we had everybody on board doing it full time. Yeah. And I want to talk about those stages. What year was it when you were able to go full-time? Uh, basically almost right out the gate when we opened it, it was, okay. it was right away. Um, so it did, I think it was just because in order to, to make it work, we still needed the, the kind of the understanding was, you know, Nick would work and that would help pay for his mortgage and I would work at the gym 
and that would help keep the business going. And I would live with him, uh, with my, you know, like my wife, with sister and, and, uh, you know, year and a half old son. And basically like it was right then it was cut and go right into it. So there wasn't a, a, a long time where there was any crossover. Okay. So you knew basically right away, we're going into this thing in order to grow it and make it into something that's eventually going to be for all of us to work in. Somebody's going to be at this full time. You probably in, in budget wouldn't have made sense for you to pay a, a GM 50, 60, $80,000 a year. I mean, uh, for people listening, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you've never heard of Pitt Meadows, it's still, it's still Vancouver pricing for almost everything, right? It's cost exactly. of living is, is high up there yeah. and not, not going down anytime soon. So for what you would have had to pay somebody, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been one of you who are ultimately the most invested in it, right. growing it. So it's like, Hey, we, we got to do this. We need, we need one of us boots on the ground mm -hmm. and then we can go from there. For sure. Yeah. That, that had, that was the only direction that we could go um, without having to, either take out a loan or do anything else. So we just felt like this was the, the best play. And, and in the end, I, th I think it was the best play um, there. Yeah, we maybe we could have done it that way and, and maybe found a, another industry person who's already, you know, maybe run a business. Uh, but when it came down to, to dollars and cents, um, we were trying to just keep everything as minimized as possible. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's tough sometimes because even you could have somebody who's managed a fitness business, managed a, a specific, you know, something with a similar training methodology to you, but they're still not you, right? They're still ultimately, they're there collecting a paycheck and you can have, you can have a member who you love, who loves everything about the gym. Ultimately, there's still not that level of commitment. So if you, right. if you can get somebody in there, I think that's, that's always going to make the best, at least primary person. So right. from there, you get to a point where how long after roughly was it before Nick was able to come in full time? I think it was about the summer of 2017. And so he was doing, um, you know, construction and paving work. And that was kind of like the worst time to do that when it's like the hot part of the summer. And it was just like, Hey, you know what? It's not a ton to start, but it's enough to be livable. Um, let's just do it. And just the, the timing made sense. And I think once you, you get to come into the gym brief points and see that and like feel how good it is to be in there and coaching the odd class after he's, you know, done hard labor throughout the day makes it that much harder to go back regardless of the heat. You know, I mean, it just got to a point where it was like, same thing, probably. Yeah. I can make a lot more money um, doing this right now and still keeping this up, but I'd rather go all in. And, and again, when he was able to come on board, we were able to, keep progressing and moving along to where, you know, the, eventually the money got, you know, good enough that he, he could do that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing that you look to happen in stages is like you have the oh shit moment and then you jump in and then you two are probably sitting there and now it's like, all right, we're both here. What do we do? Yeah. We, we got to bust our ass, right? You guys aren't sitting around doing three workouts a day together. It's like, yeah, we're going to try, we're going to make sure we try to get our workouts in because it's important, but are we out? Are we beating up the streets, you know, yep. knocking on doors, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, whatever you have to like, we need to make this happen in order. And now at this point, there's two of you in, you know, um, now you got his, his sister, your wife, that's probably like, guys, I'm, I'm ready over here. Like, yeah, don't forget about me. So you can't just make it good enough for you two. 
now the pressure's on we got to get everybody in right it's so what what would you say like what were the things as you as you added you know nick was able to come on full-time and then christy like how did you how do you guys complement each other as far as right now that you have nick you know we're able to do xyz and now that we have christy like what were the big pieces that that they were able to move once they came in full time yeah so i think with my background and financial um work i was able to do a lot of the kind of financial bookkeeping things of that nature that needed to be in order and, and making sure that the logistics of scheduling uh was all proper and correct um although i was doing coaching as well i had also done like a year and a half straight where i was 5 30 a.m until you know 8 30 p.m so <clears throat> once i was able to step back and not coach everything i was able to get some process things in place that were um streamlining things that didn't have to require me to have to be sucked to a computer all the time and um and then you know nick has more of the marketing side of things too although he doesn't have a marketing degree per se <clears throat> his ability to create good content that um you know showcases stuff at the gym again where it's not just you're you're worried about showing up at a crossfit gym and there's people cleaning you know 300 pounds and slamming bars we want to show that that's a very small percentage so we're not highlighting those people we're highlighting people getting their first rope climb or or people um that look like your average everyday person um doing a pretty heavy back squat and so like you know he he brought that part to the table that was i think you know one of the biggest things outside of you know coaching it was important too but he was really good with understanding how do you uh get our image out there to people through instagram and facebook and and create those little snippets where not only could outside people see but the people inside felt like hey this is kind of like a cool clip i can i can show these things to my friends and um so he was really good with that regard and then Christy was as a female presence in the fitness industry is really tough. And um, when she first started was a bit more reserved and then she grew into this like really commanding kind of like presence where when people talk, she listens or when, when she talks, people listen and she just moves so well and does things so proper and, and does just like, just a real good job of being able to, take people and be able to get them to, to find whatever that little cue or fix is. So just a real good value add in terms of her um, having a female presence, which I think is super important uh, on the coaching staff to have. Um, and I think just the, you know, you have a big circle of people and Nick style caters to this, you know, group. So there's people that gravitate towards him and there's people who gravitate more towards Christy style and the people who gravitate towards mine and, I think it was just like the perfect balance because not everyone fits the mold of liking just one specific coach. I think there's just a certain way where you, if you want to make everyone feel welcome when they're in, you got to find out which type of coaches those people would be probably better suited to work with. And so having Nick's presence in the, the marketing, you know, aspect Christie's as like more of the face of one of the coaches and then mine in terms of actually running the um, more of the business it just kind of fit like the perfect uh, trifecta, really. Yeah, it's it's always nice to hear something where you can, where people do have complementary skill sets because sometimes you get partnerships and it's you know two or three people that are all good at you know like we're all we're all super good at coaching and programming. Well, 
that's great. Your coaching and programming are probably phenomenal, but, but who does your books and who gets the word out to it? And, and that can lead to different kind of power struggles and imbalances and things like that. And, and I'm sure you do have some things where you overlap, but at least if you have areas where, you know, where you're, where you're weaker, someone else is stronger, it kind of, it For makes sure. that dynamic really make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, it's, uh, there is some overlap, but we're, we're, we're better together. Realistically, um, you know, we, we all need each other. If we want to have everything going at the best, we, and, and just with our lifestyles too, you were, Christy and I have two kids, Nick now just had his second kid. So like, we're both, uh, have families. So we need people to pick up the slack in other areas. And, um, yeah, when, when one of us is, is overwhelmed by something else, someone else is there to, to, to cover and help out. And it's just a, it's a good dynamic where everyone, um, is working together, never always works perfectly. Um, and, but I think creating a little bit of friction gets new ideas out. It gets new perspectives on things as well. Yeah. Do you ever run into issues where, because, you know, um, you know, Nick being your brother-in-law and obviously your other partner is your wife. And then, you know, that obviously that makes them brother and sister, um, where there are times where you can have a disagreement on business, but find, you know, do you ever have trouble finding a way to say like, Hey, like I'm pissed off at you for X, Y, Z in the business. But at the end of the day, we're still family. Like, is there ever trouble separating that, um, in, in problem resolution or have you guys figured out a, a healthy balance of, you know, you get that out and, you know, you can, you can still, you know, have beer and, yeah. and, I, I, and respect they, each other at the end of the day and, and not bring that stuff home or into the family. Yeah, no, I think there's always going to have some sort of balance of, of the friction again, because I believe that you don't want the people all thinking, you know, the exact same direction. If we just have just a bunch of yes men towards one person, um, you might be missing out on uh, another part of that, where I think that we've started to improve on in the last couple of years um, is just being open. You know, I think for a lot of people, people don't like confrontation and, and don't like to bring up things because it might lead to some tension. We've started to get better about communicating if we have a feeling of something being a, um, you know, a shortfall in one area or a disappointment in, in another area. At the end, it's always left with whether there's still some um, anger or, you know, resentment to a degree. It's always, hey, man, I love you. I love, you know, you love me. We're good. Like, and because at the end of the day, if, if we're both going in two different directions or three different directions, people can feel that. And um, it's, uh, it's an ongoing thing that, you know, I think we're improving on just by, by more communication, but the, but I think having the family dynamic is harder because there's more at stake there because we're always going to have this attached between us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's never perfect, but we do always end with, I love you. I got your back on anything you need. And I think that's what will keep us together. Awesome, man. So we, we've kind of, uh, we've got a, a real good idea of the evolution of the business and the partnership. Let's talk about some of the things you're doing right now. Now, for the sake of keeping anybody out of legal trouble, not that I think that HQ is listening. You guys used to be a CrossFit affiliate gym. You de-affiliated. 
still use some of the methodology, but just for people listening, you do still have group fitness, functional fitness type movements. That's the bread and butter, the, the kind of what, what Iron Regime was built on. Um, but you have some other things that you're doing there. You have some sports performance that you've layered in with your background. So tell me about that and, and any other things that you might be doing there that are a little bit out of the norm for this type of facility. Yeah, so the, the sport training kind of came about. Um, obviously wanted to open the CrossFit affiliate because I was so involved in it as a competitor early on. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to do something in the fitness realm that wasn't didn't just have to be group classes. So there was personal training. I still do that to a degree. Um, and I still do personal programming for other higher level athletes because I, um, again, like the competitive side of it, but where I spend the majority of, of my time is, um, on sports specific training. And that started with hockey because that was my background. So it was just going out and pitching myself to the local organizations that are in the, you know, surrounding area and what I could offer for them. And, um, that had some really good success. So that kind of took off for me. And then, and it was like, okay, well, I enjoy training these kids, but what else could I do? And another big sport that's huge up here in Canada is lacrosse and both my kids play it. And so I was kind of involved um, already to a degree coaching my son's team and now my daughters and was like, okay, well, there's, there's athletes on that side of the spectrum that I could train. So I started to get into working with lacrosse players and then from there, it was like, well, what else could I do? Well, started just reaching out. I just would just search out what are the local organizations that have sports, softball and baseball. So there again, I go pitch myself. I would show up to people's practices and introduce myself to the coach and say, here's what I think I can help your team with. Here's something that I think is important. And not because I'm trying to just build my business, but because I actually think I have something to offer and value. And I know what training did for my progression as an athlete and, and I was able to take my career very far so I want to be able to pass along that type of knowledge to the next crop of you know youth athletes who are wanting to play college sports in the U.S. or maybe play pro one day so I you know I I started just pursuing that while the business was still growing and doing things and then you know three four years later here we are and and now I'm actually uh in a spot now where I'm 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 close to, to kind of getting a, um, another space for, for that business. Man, that, that's great to hear how that's, how you've nurtured that and grown it along the way. So we have those two things. Uh, any other things that you're offering or plan on offering any other added services for your members? Are you doing things like full scaled out nutrition coaching? Are you doing, you know, supplements, meal prep online, anything like that? Yep. So, uh, I mean, my wife is a nutritionist. That's where she specializes. Um, Nick does a little bit of that as well. Um, and Nick does some personal training as well. He, um, does a little bit of programming for, uh, competitive athletes as well. So we kind of all are doing little bits and pieces outside of the group class. Um, so th those offerings are there. It's not something that is like heavily pushed. Um, but it just kind of grows organically. You know, you start to develop a little bit of a following between people and whatever you can uh, handle in terms of workload. So um, we have all those different things. We don't sell any supplements or prepackaged meals or anything like that, but basically it's a, it's a pretty uh, all-inclusive 
place where if we don't have the answer to it, we, we try to give them an outlet or, or find resources that can help them achieve that. But for the most part, you could come to our gym, learn about bodybuilding. You can learn about group, you know, kind of functional fitness. You could be a sport specific athlete. You could just be someone who needs personal training, not anything specific to group classes, maybe at a lower intensity. You can learn about nutrition. Um, so it, it's got everything that you could possibly need. And then on top of that, the community aspect, like we'd already talked about. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the one-stop shop for sure, man. So um, so we have an idea of, of everything that you're doing, everything you have there. One of the things that's going to go on is it sounds like, you know, an opportunity to expand the sports training business. Um, as we come close to the end of the time that we have here, what else would you like to see down the line? Two, five, 10 years, whatever it is. Is it multiple facilities? Is it branching off into you know, other businesses that are related, where, where would you like it to go? Yeah. I mean, for, for me is, um, I think like you had touched on as well when we were talking offline is I could never work for anyone again. Uh, like I know that for sure. Um, and for me, I want to see the group fitness based business to continue to excel in the place that it's at. Um, I'm, I'm very, um, kind of motivated in terms of pursuing other opportunities. And for me, again, it's, it's this one that, uh, that I'm going all in. And this one is just, you know, me personally going all in is on the sports one. So, um, you know, I'm going to create that, that new, uh, space. And then, you know, if that one works out and does well, like I think it will maybe another one, uh, maybe another, uh, a building or something like that, where I can get into, um, where I personally see it is not just the physical training, but a place where say like hockey players and lacrosse players and base players could come in. There would be like batting cages or nets for shooting for lacrosse or, you know, small, uh, kind of, uh, fake ice spots where you could be doing, um, shooting. Um, so I just think that's kind of where I'm going. And, and these are not only opportunities in terms of building those businesses, but, it'll be for purchasing the real estate, which is a, a longer term investment for me. So, you know, th this first one that I'm, I'm looking to add here is something that um, will be like a, a big long term investment to actually buy and own um, the building. Fantastic. I wish we had more time to go into it because there aren't enough people in the fitness business that are looking to become landowners. And it sounds crazy and out of reach to a lot of people, but um, the benefits I think in most cases, if you know that you're in it for the long haul, you uh, man, there's, there's so much that, that can be done with that. So uh, maybe that's a topic for another day, but one more question for you, a little philosophical here. You've been in the game a while. Um, you're growing, expanding, you have your hands in a bunch of different things. If you could go back and, and give yourself any lessons sooner, tell yourself anything that you wish you would have known earlier. Is there anything where you go back any aha moment where you're like, man, I'd love, I'd love to tell younger me that just a little earlier. Yeah. There's, there's one that stands out to me for sure. And, um, actually two, the two that I can think of. The first one is, um, ask for help sooner from people who are, who've done it, who've done it before you don't think you have to just watch what other people do. There's a lot of people who are willing to, to give you time to talk about mistakes they've made because I, you know, I've had people who've started an affiliate in the last 
year or two and and I've given a lot of time to, to help them with some mistakes. Um, so I think just asking for help uh, from people who've done it before would have been something where maybe we could have been like, oh yeah, that would have been saved us money. It doesn't necessarily have to be a money saving thing to, to look for help from, but maybe something in terms of how to run a more efficient schedule. Um, so yeah, so asking for help. And, and then second thing is pulling the, the members. The members are the ones that keep, keep the lights on and, and keep the bills paid. Um, so don't always think that you, your vision or your team's vision is set in stone. Like it should be something where you might have something within a framework, but you can ask the people, what do they want to see? Because ultimately they need to come there and be liking to do what they're doing or having activities and things that they want to be um, involved with. And if you don't ask them, uh, you might never know, you might be guiding yourself in a, um, you know, into a wrong direction. And so it's, it's nice to, to have a set of principles, but also being flexible enough to, to listen to your, your clients and help them shape it. Awesome. Awesome. Great insight on both of those. And, you know, it's, it's funny, some people have, you know, get a little, a little caught up trying to find one, but I'm glad that, that you had two for us. I'll take the extra knowledge any day, anytime. And last question, this is going to be an easy one, a softball for you, for anybody listening, if they want to find Iron Regime, uh, how do they find you? What's website, social media, anywhere that you're in the digital universe? Yeah, you can just straight up type in Iron Regime. Um, and then if you're looking for the website, it's ironregimecrosstraining.com. And, um, you know, we got a little social media uh, through Instagrams, the best place to kind of see the content that we're putting out, whether it's just stories of classes or events or anything that we're doing. And uh, if anyone ever wants to come down, they can always come check out the gym for free and, and try it out. So if you ever have anybody who's visiting or know of anyone in the area and they're looking for a place, um, we'd love to have them. Yeah. As if you need another reason to want to visit British Columbia, uh, Iron Regime is just, just one more thing to put into that. So, man, I appreciate you being here with us today. It's been a blast having you. Uh, I look forward to checking in on you. I wish you continued success and, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dominic. I had fun. All right, man. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. Uh, check out Jeff. Check out what's going on. All the good stuff there at Iron Regime. Um, yeah, to everybody out there in Jim Lords Nation, man, just keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Steve Pinkerton of Vitality Fitness coming to you from Concord, North Carolina. Steve, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm doing good, Joe. I appreciate you having me on the show. I am excited. I appreciate you joining us. This is a lot of different moving parts within a business. And so we'll look at this from a couple of different lenses. But before we dive in on the strategy and the tactics and all that you do day to day, I want to hear a little bit about how we got here in the first place. Most of our most of our listeners, Steve, are, are gym owners themselves. They got into the industry one way or another. What's the uh, somewhat abbreviated story of how you got here? Man, if you would have told me 20 years ago, what I want to do, it would probably be something to do with training, something to do with fitness. I've always been a guy that had liked that part of it. I've, I loved sports growing up and uh, I was never really good at, I was like an average athlete. Uh, I went to a small college in Michigan and played football and basketball and was just average at both of those sports. But I loved the process of training. I loved the process of man, I, I could be an average guy and just try and outwork people and outtrain people. And I was always the guy that was coming up with crazy workouts. And I just, it was, it was just something that always interested me. And that led me to the Marine Corps. I spent eight years in the Marine Corps. And then uh, when I was last couple of years in the Marine Corps, there was uh, a bunch of guys starting to do CrossFit. And I actually made fun of it for the last, I don't know, two years of, of the Marines. I, yeah, I you're not it, alone there. I, I called it group jazzercise and made fun of these guys. And, uh, the, the the two people that got me into this were Brandon and Bobby Millsap who were down in Columbia at the time. And they were, they were big in this. They were, I mean, Bobby's still uh, a staple in the, in the community and, and Brandon was as well. Uh, and finally Brandon was in the Marine Corps and he said, Hey, come, you know, come do this thing. And, and I think you really enjoy it. And finally I said, okay, I'll do it. And I went and got crushed in a workout and I, I, you know, I immediately, like anybody else, you know, I was like, well, how am I getting beat by all these people? Whatever they're doing, I'm, I'm doing it. And that was my, that was the hook for me. I opened out of my garage as soon as uh, I was out of the Marine Corps. We ran five months out of the garage and then opened our first location uh, in the, uh, December 2009. And uh, from there, we, uh, we were in that location for five or six years. And then we moved to our current location and we built this facility we're in now. Uh, and moved in in 2000 in 2015 yeah and the rest is history right and it's and it's evolved beyond just crossfit i understand there's a piece of it that's crossfit but you guys have layered on some other stuff correct yeah you know we when we moved into our new location uh the the barrier to entry was what was tough for me out there it was so hard and 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 it, it was so difficult to bring in uh multiple new members and it was putting a ton of pressure on our foundations coaches. And we we're constantly trying to chase people down and schedule. So we created a boot camp called Evo Fit. And that we, we decided that from day one, every new lead, every new member that we had was going to come through our Evo Fit program. That was going to be our entry point. There was no foundations required. If you came in uh, at 6 p.m. and said, I really want to be part of this, the next day you were jumping Evo Fit and you were ready to go. We made them stay in that program for 30 days. And what we found was 85% of those people never left. They, that's what they were looking for. They thought they wanted a CrossFit. They thought they wanted this thing that they thought was CrossFit. But what they what they wanted was a group environment. And uh, 
and and they wanted this barbell free uh, uh, group class. So that's what we did. We put all of our focus into that and, and it exploded back in 2015, 2016. And that was really the, I wish you could go back. When I, when I work with these other gyms, I tell them, Hey guys, listen, I understand that we all think CrossFit is infinitely scalable for everybody. I get that, but it made, it made it so much easier for us just to say, you come in, you go to Evo Fit, stay there for 30 days. If you want to do foundations and, and crossover after that, the relationship was already established so that, that that foundations course was so much more beneficial because it was so much more interactive because now people were comfortable. You didn't have that. It took two classes for us just to break down that barrier of, you know, people are so nervous and they didn't want to ask questions. They didn't want to, they didn't really know which way was up. Now they've been in the facility for 30 days. It was such an, a more interactive foundations course and a more effective foundations course. So that to me was the biggest pivot that we made that, that made our life so much easier. Yeah. And I think, whereas when CrossFit first, first started, people would join just because the CrossFit name was new and exciting. I think the pendulum has swung the other way. I think it's more deterring than it is attracting at this point. And so for you guys, onboarding has become tremendously simpler mm -hmm. because of the name, right? We have CrossFit. There are people that want and need and seek out CrossFit specifically, but we can mimic that. We can take the barbell out of the equation, make it a little bit more user-friendly and digestible. And that's become a really, really great step one, as I understand it. Is that correct? I completely agree. Okay, cool. So we've got sort of a number of different moving parts here, right? We've got CrossFit, like we said, we've got EvoFit, which is a group class, and we've got personal training. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the three buckets. It, yeah, no, really, our personal training program fed off the EvoFit program, the boot camp style program. Uh, you know, when our first facility it was, it was a it was a big space. It was 6,500 square feet, but the way that it was set up was there was one big training area and it was very difficult to uh, partition off uh, personal training space for that and make it so that it, it, it felt like it was its own entity. So when we built this new location, we, we built in a PT room, we built in the space to, to allow us to have that. And our Evo Fit program, you know, we started selling memberships based on, we said, okay, let's not sell these big 36 session packages or 24 session packages for personal training. When someone comes in, what our goal is, Hey, let's get an evil fit membership and let's get them on uh, individual once a month with one of our coaches. And then it's up to our coach to do a good enough job to provide enough quality and value to talk them into, Hey, you know what? I think I could benefit from two sessions a month. And that was our sweet spot. We, we tried to kind of avoid this, three times a week personal training uh, uh, membership because it's just unsustainable long-term. People aren't going to pay $700 to $1,000 a month, uh, month after month for personal training. But what they will do is they'll spend $150 extra a month to do you know one or two sessions. I see. That's yeah. And, and I think that's a good point, right? Personal training, as it's evolved, one-on-one -on -one personal training is typically not the best option for people. The fitness industry has come to live and die by that, but we've sort of evolved beyond it now. And it's, it's either 
very, very beginners who need one-on-one attention or somewhat more advanced people looking to work on a more defined skill set. Or we could use it for the middle ground like you do. It's not necessarily the main entree, but it's a check-in. It's accountability. It's going to be, how can I make sure that this person is getting what they need and then can go and do their own thing for a week or two weeks, and then we can come back and revisit it. For sure. That's a win-win in everybody's book. The client wins, the business wins, the trainers win. All of this leads to a really, really successful client journey, if you will. Um, and, And Steve, within this whole umbrella, how many people do we serve right now? To wrap our head around the scale of this sort of thing, we've You're got the three different wings of this. We'll fluctuate. What, is, what does that membership total look like? Between four fifty and five hundred is where we're going to sit, and that's with a that's with a giant PT following. I mean, that's it's really been you know we're doing somewhere between three hundred and forty to three hundred seventy sessions a month, and it's uh it's evolved into this this massive uh uh amount of sessions and, and, and it really it, it's been so great for our trainers because these coaches now instead of having five or six clients coming three times a week they have 24 clients or 22 clients coming once a week or twice a week so as as you get a little bit of turnover uh, and churn it's so much easier to, to to backfill that than if you have six people, one of your people leave and, you know, 10, 15% of your sessions are now gone. Uh, so it's, it's so much easier now to just keep these clients or keep these coaches just packed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in terms of how many people we can serve, having these different options makes it a little bit more scalable. Mm-hmm. If we're just a personal training studio, we can only grow so far. There's only so many hours in the day or so much physical space. With group training, we can grow it far beyond, obviously, what the one-on-one model would suggest. But with this sort of hybrid approach and, and a la carte matching it together, it seems like we can really, really serve the people we have at a high level and drive a decent revenue without needing 600, 700 members. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Are you guys still looking to bring on new clients or are you pretty full? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the pandemic was a, was an interesting thing where we, I really thought when, you know, North Carolina was, it was, it was kind of a tough spot. We were, we were kind of slow to come out of this. Uh, you know, we closed for about 45 or 50 days and opened back up and it took, it took a while to, to kind of get back to those pre pandemic numbers. And I was expecting, I was expecting that maybe, uh, January of this year would be a big kind of a flood, the floodgates open, people are getting back to normal. And uh, we're not seeing that yet. I, I'm not seeing this rush of people that I thought would be like, man, you know what, I've learned my lesson, I, I need to get healthy, I need to focus on yep. my health and my wellness. Because, you know, this, this whole COVID thing crushed my, you know, crushed it. And, and I'm not seeing people have that sense of urgency of getting back. I don't know if it's just because, you know, money's a little bit different now. Inflation's coming on. you got all these get high gas prices. So people are mm-hmm. a little concerned. I don't, I don't know what it is, but usually come April 1st, you know, I would, I, would, I would think we'd be having a little bit more of a rush that would be coming into that pre-summer yeah. uh, 
that pre-summer. So, so we've got some room. We've got some room. We've got some room. Okay. And and <laughs> every gym owner out there probably is in that sort of window, right? We've got some room. We we would take people if they were to come. Uh, it hasn't quite yet happened, albeit organically. Are you guys doing anything proactive? Are you putting money into advertising or or marketing in any sense to get people in? You know, that's the one thing I've never done. And, and I think a lot of it's just because of um, my ineptitude of social media and my hatred of social media. But I hired a guy, we started a company called Vitality Media, and uh, uh, I hired a guy to run uh, a media platform outside, inside Vitality. And um, it's 80% he does stuff for the gym, and then 20% we do things for other businesses around us. Uh, and you know, we've put money into that, but I haven't put money into, into specific marketing. So, I see. you know, we've, we've, we're trying to get a lot more content. We're doing a lot more, um, content creation. So we're getting, yeah. we're getting better at it. Uh, especially now that I have someone else that can manage our social media pages and I don't have to do it. I think that's an incredibly important point and, and one that doesn't get addressed when we talk about business in the fitness industry a lot of us got into it just because we loved training. We were great coaches, not necessarily because we have all the marketing skills or all of the sales skills. And these things are skills, right? People make entire careers out of this. For sure. It's a, it's a time dependent and probably a financially dependent thing to learn how to do this well. You have somebody that's at least helping get the ball rolling, but it sounds like, is that something that you guys could lean into a bit more here moving forward? Yeah, you know, we we really we've been putting a lot more emphasis onto it, and and he's been great. The problem is he's starting to get so good that we got to find that happy medium to how much are we going to farm out and and try and and try and build the business. Which obviously I want to build a business so he can be so he he can be more successful. Uh, but we also, as we get more successful outside of Vitality, it takes away the time he has to do. Uh, projects for vitality, you know, so that's, that's a good point. That's kind of that balance that we have. I want to grow the business. It's a cool, it, it, it's, he's, he, I think that the thing that business owners kind of overlook is I did, I, I never valued, if you told me you wanted to, if, if, if you told me, Hey, what is the, the cost of a 60 second Instagram, you know, promo video? I, and you told me it was three grand. I'd be like, Hey, there's no way I'm paying $3,000 for that. Now I can see behind the curtain and see what goes into that. And all day long, it's worth that. But oh, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to get people uh, in any business to understand the difference between a quality uh, a quality contractor that can do that and someone that's just kind of you know a freelance guy that kind of does this on the side and you know doesn't really spend the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, it, it all has to come back to ROI at the end of the day. If we're gonna spend any money. If we're going to spend $10, I need to be able to make back 15. If I'm going to be able to spend 3000, I need to be able to make back more than 3000, right? At yeah. the end of this is a business. This is not charity. We're doing this to make money at the end of the day. And a lot of the time for small businesses like gyms, budgets are tight. We need to really, really be cognizant of any kind of money going out and knowing that we're going to get money back in, right? It's yeah. scary to be able to go out on a limb like that on a skill that we aren't sure of ourselves with and put dollars behind it. Yeah. It's not just time. We're putting real dollars behind it. And 
at the beginning when we don't know what we're doing, sort of just hoping and praying that it works out until we can get a little bit better of a grasp. And so I think that's really, really intuitive and important for us to, to at least mark it for a moment. Take us to the next step here. Um, obviously, marketing is one piece of it. Leads are wonderful, but leads don't bring in dollars. So how do we convert that lead? What's the sales process like from lead to signing on the dotted line as a paying customer? So I opened I uh, opened a position here maybe five, six years ago. I had a kid that started with me when he was 14 years old. His dad actually dropped him, came by the gym and said, hey, I've got this, I've got this guy, my son, he plays basketball. Do you have any programs for him? And I had just opened, I was straight out of the Marine Corps. I was, you know, I was a little more rough around the edges than, than my uh, friendly outgoing self is now. And I said, Hey, sir, listen, I got nothing for a 14 year old. When he, when he turns 16, he can come back. He'll be great. And, and the guy was so nice. He was leaving. He said, okay, cool. So I'll bring him by tomorrow at three. And he caught me <laughs> off guard. And I said, uh, yeah. And I, I, and he left and I looked at Laura, my GM. I was like, did I, what just happened? So this kid shows up 14 years old the next day. And this was year one. And he stuck with me for the last, he's been with me the longest of anybody. He's been here 13 years, 12 and a half years. And so five years ago, I opened a position and he runs all of my sales. He does all the interviews, does everything. And um, so he'll get all the leads, whether they're email calls, uh, walk-ins, whatever. And he'll, uh, he'll start that process by contacting them, setting up a, uh, an intro where he can sit down with them, give them a tour. And he's amazing at just talking to people. He can talk to anybody. And from there, you know, our goal is to uh, sell them at the end of the interview. But with, with EvoFit, the other thing this does is it makes it very simple to, if there's, if there's hesitation, if, if he's getting some pushback, instead of trying this hard sell, which I don't love, he just says, look, come in tomorrow, try an EvoFit class. At the end of class, we can sit down for five minutes. You tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And and, and usually that's the, that's the, we were about 86%. If they can try a class 86% of the time, they're going to, they're going to do it. Yeah. People um, are, un, if, if, if people can test drive it, you, you pretty much know either this is for me or this isn't for me. Yeah. It's like I told, you know, in the Marine Corps, you know, when you show up, you either made a really good choice or you are, you're in a world of trouble and that's yeah. how it is in the, in, but with CrossFit, it was tough to do that. I mean, I don't want guys coming in doing intros because let's say it's a, it, it's a strength day and we're going to do back squat, you know, five, five, three, three, one. So I'm not letting anybody come in and do heavy back squats that's, that I've never watched before. So now yeah. they have kind of a terrible experience. They leave. They're like, that was great. That was kind of silly. I did 135, and you know, I'm not, I'm not even tired or sore or whatever. It's a tough, that's a tough sell to explain to them the process of, Hey, here's, here's what we're trying to do. They want to come get a workout. They want to sweat. They want to struggle a little bit. And it's tough to do on the, on the CrossFit side without taking away from the members that have been there for years and years. Yeah. And, and what a luxury to have just stumble upon this gem of a salesperson who can really host these sort of conversations. Sales is a skill in itself as well. And, and fitness people are typically lacking. Yeah. Fitness people typically don't handle themselves well in that kind of conversation. And they either are way too soft and get walked over or to your point, hard sell and, and almost yeah. pushy and turn people off to the business. Yeah. 
Being yeah, able to great. walk that line down the middle, what a fantastic resource for your business to have. And so sales routes through this gentleman, once they're in, right, what do we do to keep them? How are we, I mean, retention is, is, is probably the most important metric that you and I can talk about. Is that something that you guys track or, or average lifespan or these things that you look after? Embarrassingly enough, probably three years ago was when we first really looked at some of these tools that we wanted to implement because it just didn't make sense. We were, we were in this situation and we had grown so fast from the beginning, even the first year, we just, our growth was so, we got so lucky with our timing and our location, everything was good. And we just never looked at what we're doing to, to, to measure retention and to, and to, and to increase retention. And uh, so three years ago, we started a drip campaign where from the day one, we sent out six different emails from, you know, spaced out to the first 30 days, tried to give them some video content, tried to give them some, some information that we thought everybody needed. My wife runs a nutrition program here. So we tried to get them in to do some type of initial in-body scan with her and at least have a, a, a starting point that they, they could have a, a reference to say, okay, here's what I'm, here's where I'm at. And now there's another touch point that Je my wife, Jess, could do with them. Uh, that's helped. And then we've really focused on our exit interviews, too, where, you know, we're never going to try and, you know, we'll, we'll, we just want people to tell us, what can we do better when you leave? Why did you leave? And for the most part, you know, it's, it's always going to be location, money, time, whatever. Yeah, and, of course. But there's also, you know, when you give people a survey and it's five or six questions and it's kind of anonymous and it's not... It, they can they can kind of speak freely, you know. We did uh, we got some good feedback about class times, about um, you know what their experience was like. So we didn't start looking at this until about three years ago. That means we we're almost ten years in, yeah, uh, and just not just not thinking about it. Yeah, I think that sort of stuff is is easily overlooked, and it's funny because I mean, as fitness people, we track sets we track reps we track loading we track tempo religiously but when it comes to the business side of things those things are easy to overlook a lot of the time you guys started doing this and now that information is paramount to you guys making decisions we can really really make some better educated moves having that sort of information around and and i mean steve this whole conversation has been geared around growth and, and how do we go from where we are to where we want to be. So to start to wrap this whole interview up, paint us a picture of the, where you want to be. What's the, what's the big vision for Vitality? Man, you know, we've been really fortunate. I, you know, our average coach here, staff member has been with me almost eight and a half years. So my GM's been with me a decade. I've got Nate, the sales guys been with me for forever. Uh, our Evo fit, uh, director, he was with me for seven or eight years. So I've got this amazing team that for so long, I've always been pressuring them. We've always had something where we, we build this new facility. Now we got to grow it. We got to, we got to build ourselves into this and start this new program. And, and we've always, there's so much pressure on these guys to do all these different things. And now for the first time, all of our tenants are settled. We've got 12 tenants that are that are, that are settled and, and, and in the building with us. So this is the first year, this is the first January that we started and we're like, you know what, now we can really focus on some of the things that we've wanted to do for so long. 
it's not so much growth. Now we're going to look at the back end and we're going to try and plug some of these holes so that I, I yeah, we want to add people, but I just want to stop the the slow drip, that slow burn, mm. you know, death by a thousand paper cuts of, you know, we lose one here, we lose one there. What if we stopped losing them? What if we were able to just keep that retention number so much higher and so much more solid? And that's kind of what our goal is uh, for the next eight to 12 yeah. months. That's huge. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but if we can even extend average lifespan or average membership length, if we can extend that from like eight months to, to 12 months, Mm-hmm. That's four extra months of revenue per person on average. And that is meaningful, meaningful money in the long run. And suddenly we don't have to ride this hamster wheel of acquisition and constantly be on the search for new people, right? Sure. To your point, nobody's got a hundred percent retention. People yeah. move, people get sick, people get injured, whatever it may be. But the closer we can get, yeah the easier everything else is. And so it's I think like that's- diet. You know, I, once you understand that you're making bad decisions and, 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 you, and you actually know that you're doing something wrong, now you can do this with retention. Like I understand that we're losing people and now we know that there's something we can do to fix it. We know that there are tools we can, we can implement. It, you know, kind of ignorance is bliss when it comes to, you know, people eating what they want to eat until they realize, shoot, I almost- I almost wish I could go back and not know what I know because life was so much easier when I didn't, when I didn't know that, you know, all these things were bad for me. I got my wife at home that every time I have this like little perfect thing, I thought that was going to be healthy. She's like, ah, you know, you can't have that because it's this, this, and this. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> if that's how it is Damn in the business, you know? Yeah. So. And you don't know until you know, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Steve, that's probably a really, really good place for us to start to wrap this whole thing up, but it's always, important and it's always exciting to to pick through business owners brains and see what they have going on what makes them tick and the things that they're focused on so i i really appreciate your contribution and and your mindset and and your humility just as much as anything because we all have things that we're doing well and we all have things that we're still trying to tinker and improve on so all of that has been tremendous man i i really appreciate your time and i wish you nothing but the best moving forwards yeah, I appreciate it, Joe. This was fun. I think it's great what you guys are doing. I think that the more conversations people can have about this and and, and people can hear and honestly, you know, have some some open dialogue about this, it'll make it so much easier for some of the the newer boxes that are opening up and 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 shouldn't hopefully have to go through, you know, some of those the same pains and 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 turbulence that we went through when we first opened. Yeah. Spot on, man. And, and that's what we're trying to do at least. So thank it, you. Thank and, you. and we'll certainly check in with you down the line and see where this whole thing goes. Cool. You got it, Joe. All right. So to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, 
tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.